Jack, we on, we on. <laughs> What's going on? Welcome to the Blackout Podcast. Yo, man, we excited. This is the first one. We're about to turn this one up, yeah. all the way up. I go by the name of ODM. You already know, man. Your daddy's favorite rapper. Your daddy, your mama's favorite DJ <laughs> on the display. Over there, we got DJ Danny Boy in the mix, yeah. man, resident DJ. What's up, bro? Yeah, yeah. What up? We chilling, man. We got the very special guest in the house, man. I'm very excited for this. Yes. I know there's a lot of memories between both of y'all. Oh, so. we're going to get to that in just a little second, though, man. But we got to break this episode in because it's our very first episode, man, yeah. on the podcast, the Blackout Podcast. And... Look forward. This is what you can look forward to, man. This is a whole series of episodes that surround uh, basically, you know, my background, my upbringing as far as uh, music, everything. You know, I'm just going to say the birth of Lighter Shade of Brown is what it is, man, because uh, a lot of people played important roles. Matter of fact, our guest today is uh, one of the um, he was part of the foundation, man, of this group. You know what I'm saying? And, and he's going to share a lot of memories and a lot of stories of of uh how it started how it began we're gonna hear about his background we're excited so what i need you to do first and foremost please share this podcast right here i don't care if it's on youtube facebook wherever you're at share it we want to get those numbers up right away because this y'all need to hear this man this is legendary in the making you guys wanted you know something a platform that's gonna uh, basically, you've been asking for a documentary. You've been asking for some type of a book or, 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 or on Lighter Shade of Brown. And um, we're going to just consider this podcast, you know, weekly. Just the next 13 episodes, man, will be all about that. So uh, enjoy the ride. Let's get into it without further ado. He's known me since I was a little chavalo, since I was chopper at 16. DJ Fabe Love, the original yeah. DJ of Lighter Shade of Brown. What's up, homie? What's happening? What's good, bro? How was the drive over here? I know you, you came from the west side, Rubido, right? Yes, sir. So I don't want to explain to everybody, man, you know what I'm saying, your background. That's your job. So I, I, I want to get into it. Um, I will say that I know we connected um, when I was still in high school. And uh, it was, you know, working on my, my solo uh, deal at the time. I was trying to, you know, they were Cliff Ritchie, our... Our, our former manager was trying to work me a deal and whatnot, and I was with Jammin' James, and we were producing, and, and he was doing tracks for me. It was all it just all coming so fast. And then um, I think, did I link up with you uh, before Jammin' James, or was it after? It was after afterwards. Okay. Yeah. And before we go there, let's go back further. You grew up in, in Rubido, right? Yes, sir. Which is <laughs> Westside, Riverside. Yep. All right. You went to school, junior high, born and raised. Yep. Okay. And you went to school with Bobby, right? I met Bobby when I was in first grade. We they had a combined class, first grade, second grade. Mr. Perez was the name of the teacher, and Bobby was in that class with me. Okay. How did your guys' world just <laughs> come together, man? Because <laughs> I see the different personalities that you do. We're talking DWTX, my partner, rest in peace, by the way. This is like his very, very good friend from childhood. Yeah, well, um, the funny thing about it is uh, Bobby lived a couple houses down from my grandmother in, in Rubido, so I, I would always see him and Peter up and down the street doing stuff, playing around. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Bobby and I don't know how we ended up talking or doing whatever in, in, in school, but uh, we ended up gravitating to each other, you know. He was a funny cat. Right. I liked, you know, messing around, being funny too. He yeah. played baseball. He was I think that's what really what it was, baseball. His brother Pete and him played on the same team. They were, okay. they were on the Reds and I was on the Royals. And, okay. And that's how I remember seeing them always uh playing baseball. So I think that's how you know initiated our yeah. conversations. You play ball, what's your position? <laughs> First base pitcher, outfield. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everything. So you had an arm on you? A little bit. Depended on the day. <laughs> Did, is that the only sport you played? Was was baseball? I tried football. wasn't that good. Had the size, but not. The, you got the size. I was gonna say, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I came later. I came after the burritos. And <laughs> <laughs> so your problem is you probably looking at the Heinas, man, the, the, the honeys in school, the brownies, huh? There you go. Because I remember you were um, you were part of the a whole party scene, right? Talk about the whole movement growing up in you know in the eighties, man, the party crew scene. Ooh. Man, that was my me and my friend Alicio. 
Eli, the lady lover. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Eli uh, formed a, one of those party groups. The Latin lovers. The Latin lovers. <laughs> and that was, that was pretty big, though, right? In, oh, in yeah. IE? We're, 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 you know, recognized. We're doing a lot of stuff with the guys out for Pomona. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen from Paris and dudes from LA and doing flyers, putting their names, oh, putting yeah. our names, doing, fly, you know, stuff over at the San Bernardino, um, what's that, the dome, mm-hmm. stuff over there. Before raves were raves, we were doing our our disco high energy parties over there. And now you used to, were you the main DJ of your crew? Was there more than one? Or? No, it, was, it was me, but, uh, you know, every crew had their, their DJs or whatever, but, uh, I have to say, I have to get credit to St. Paul from, from Paris. He was one of the hottest DJs out there. St. Paul? Yeah, man. Shout out to St. Paul, man. Original Ooh, right there, huh? Yes, sir. Look at that, bro. Hey, we teaching you some knowledge right now, homie. Yeah, well, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. We're so. about to go further right now into the equipment right now. So what, what I know, but let them know, if they don't know, what was y'all spending on back then, man? I, got, I was lucky enough to get a pair of 1200s uh, to start off with. My friend Tito... Uh, He's, he's the one that got me into DJing. He had yeah. some turntables, and then I ended up, I asked him, I said, what do I need to get? He said, if you're lucky, you can get some Technique 1200s. And I kept talking to my dad about it, and um, he had bought musical instruments from my now, other Why brothers. did he say you're lucky? Well, if you're because, lucky, because they were scarce or no, what? No, not that. It was just they were expensive. To get a kid that's in you know junior high. True. Some five $600 turntables. A piece. A piece. Plus a mixer, you know, back in those days. And then being a member of. Five kids, you know, so it's like eh. right. <laughs> Which transitions to you come from a musical family, so I know your brother Joe. He plays guitar. Your brother Victor. All you guys are music oriented. Yeah, yeah. My brother Joe plays guitar. Victor plays drums. My brother Danny plays drums. My sister Elva plays piano. I play a little bit of everything, but and then I got into making beats. But that's a whole nother <laughs> right right we'll get to that what, yep. what about how did what was your musical influence from was pops a, a musician no i mean i think my dad's family my dad's uh my uncle Manuel. he's a saxophone player my uncle rudy was a keyboard not rudy my uncle um not my uncle my cousin um was a keyboardist um so there was music on their end and then my other cousin was a drummer so um, my brother had a paper route, and on his paper route, he had this uh, guy named George. He said paper route. Yes, How sir. old school is that? <laughs> on the bike with the dude. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, you don't even know what a paper route is? What is that? Bro. Is that like something you shred paper in or what? Nah, bro. So you'd be like one of the first kids up early in the morning, right? Yes, sir. And you would basically toss, you would toss the newspaper. You go house to house, block to block, and you go on your bicycle. Okay. If you're lucky, you had a car, but it was mainly the bicycle uh, dude, kid that was running the streets like at five and six in the morning to make sure that the neighbors had their paper. Oh, dang. That's because paper, newspaper, obviously. Or like in movies when they... Exactly. Okay, okay cool. Damn, that's so, tight. That's crazy. So he met up with that guy. My brother brought his own drum set, started learning how to play drums from George, and I started picking up from my brother how to play. So that was that. So, okay. Um, wow, y'all like the Chicano Jackson 5 up in that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're playing at what age did you start playing? You I started said? playing at seven. And you said you played the... I played drums. You played the drums. That's right. Yeah. Duh, makes sense. Because he came on the beat machine later on. Hey. And, you know, so he had your turntables through high school. You were the star DJ, the Latin lover. <laughs> Man and, of all traits. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what was the girl situation like back then in high school? Did you have one or did you just kind of... Freelance that Oh shit. man, we're we're all over the place. I was lucky enough to get a vehicle when I was in a sophomore. Didn't even have my license yet. My dad took me down to Nissan, got me a hard body truck. Ooh, I remember that. Wait, wait. I don't remember <laughs> what color it was, but I remember you have a Nissan truck. Come on, man. If you're from the '80s, you already know the Nissan, and they're back right now. Look at they were in our summer Soldi video. And shout outs to all the Nissan trucks, man, that do the tricks and all that. You can stick a gang of speakers back there. Oh yeah. So I got my truck. I uh, eventually fixed it up. Uh, hustling on the streets yeah, without getting too descriptive and got money to fix up my car. My boy Danny, Danny boy had his uh, vehicle. I like how you said that without getting too descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do what we got to uh, do to make it happen. <laughs> my, my, my boy Danny boy uh, had a couple of cars in Lowrider Magazine. He had his, mo- um, oh man, what is that? Uh, 
he had his truck, his Toyota truck, right. and he had his uh, Maxima in there. And um, I picked up from him, you know, the stuff that he was doing to his vehicles, did that to my vehicle, became a member of um, a, a truck club, um, so on and so forth, and cruising. What was the name of the truck club? What, the first one it was all Nissan hard bodies. It was outrageous with snugs. And then I ended up joining with um, Danny's crew and a guy named George out of East Side. Danny was the like the neighborhood. Well, I don't even want to say he was the neighborhood, but he was known for his painting, wasn't he? He was known for his vehicles and for. Or am I thinking of another guy that painted Daniel or something? It was yeah. like some. Danny was a little loose with the. He had a little ponytail or no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, he had a ponytail. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He had an Apollo too, right? Later on. He had all kinds of vehicles. Yeah, let's just say. He had a slat nose Porsche. He had What'd you Harleys. say? We won't be descriptive about the hustle? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he, made, he made things happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you had your hard body truck, sold that, and then uh, I met you through uh, Cliff, or was it through? At Cliff first, right? Yes. I was in high school. I think I was a junior, and I was going to uh, La Sierra and Riverside, and which is about you know five I don't know ten miles away from from Rubido, uh, not yep. sure to give or take. Yeah. And um, Cliff had uh, had mentioned that he said, you know what? Oh, you you need a DJ. You need somebody to rock with you. You know what I mean? He goes, I got this guy. His name is DJ Fabe, and uh, Fabe Love, and I want I want to introduce you to him. And that's what I remember. I remember meeting you. I, I think it was at a mall or something like that, wasn't it? Or do you remember when we first crossed paths? I think we ended up going to where you lived at, uh, across from um, from La Sierra, La Sierra High School. We went, ended up meeting at your place. At the apartments, all right. Yeah, we ended up going over there because he had played me your demo. And uh, I was like, cool, man. It's, what's up? So Wait, hold on. Let's stop right there. Stop the music. <laughs> 33 years later, what'd you think about my demo? It was cool, man. Stop lying, no, dude. For real. <laughs> you were actually, he's a critic, bro. Damn, he's a critic. <laughs> No, he was mixing it up. English and Spanish. The Spanish is a little choppy. A little, <laughs> little, 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 little pronunciation. But hey, when I did Spanish Damn. stuff, I got told the same thing. You sound right. like you're ghetto. You have a uh, yeah. hardcore accent. So He was like, yo, no, uh, no sabo, no sabo kid? <laughs> no, man, no sabo kid? <laughs> he knows what they call him nowadays. No, no but his first, his first song was uh, with uh, Oye Como Va, uh, beat in the background. Santana. Oye como va. Here's how it's done. Let's go. (laughs) It's how it's done. I remember shooting the video, man. We had the windbreaker on. I had the long Johnny O curl with the the pompadora. We all had those back then. I was going to ask you about the pompadoras, but, man, if you were in disco or you were around those times, bro, don't tell me you weren't rocking the cabarichis, man, with the... You know, it's the Mexican mullet, the Mexican <laughs> mullet, the double M. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, you heard the demo. Oye, como va? And I think uh, El Vario. Mm, there was something else. I don't know if it was El Vario. Oh, I remember it was Vario because um, we did it to It's All the Way Live. Dun, dun, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yep. And those songs have not even surfaced. And I, I was, I hit up Jam and James the other day. I said, bro, you got to find those. Yeah. So we can maybe, I don't drop those sometime, but. So after that, I don't tell the story, bro. What did well, you envision? I want to hear yours. Well, there's another piece to that um, because there was a guy named Mikey that went to La Sierra High School. I don't know if you remember Mikey. He was from Rubido and somehow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 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 he went to, to, went to La Sierra and he had tapes of, uh, of a guy that I first partnered up with. Big part. Mr. Pete. Big part. Shout out to the Pete, man. Yes. Sir. Jay Smooth, right? Yep, yeah. Back then. Zod now. But uh, yeah, he done some stuff and he shared those tapes with you and I think you mentioned that you liked them and whatever else but that was like the introductory because when I mentioned your I think I mentioned you to Mikey Mikey goes oh yeah that, that he's from my school man he's tight blah 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 and whatever else and I was like hey, I'm, I'm trying to link up with him or whatever he goes oh man I'd be cool so that was way before on the side we never talked about this before because you know right but uh yeah I'm glad Mikey. it's here happening today man <laughs> 33 years later because <laughs> y'all need to know yeah so um um, now, Mikey, he um, he's the one that brought me, and this is very important, and a lot of you guys didn't know, because since you brought up Jay Smooth, Jay Smooth was part of a crew called uh, ODC, right? One Deaf Clan, that was us. One <laughs> Deaf Clan. What does that sound like? And that's before Wu-Tang Clan. Wait, <laughs> at least, at least uh, what, eight years before Wu-Tang Speak Clan. Speak on it! <laughs> Preach! <laughs> hey, we're all creators. Oh, and what's even funnier... 
we went to go get our embroidery done and i this is not i wish i still had that jacket this lady put some karate dudes on the back of the damn jacket there were orange jackets with black writing and there was like a karate dude kicking some fool in the grill and i was like what a coincidence man they came out i mean they didn't see what we had going on, but I'm just saying, yeah. what a coincidence. I'm like, here in the West Coast, we're doing some karate theme thing with, uh, which we didn't even anticipate. They, she just put that shit on there. And then, uh, you know, Wu-Tang Clan comes out later on with the, you know, the karate movie sound effects and all that shit. Wow. Anyways. You know what it is, bro. It's like people, it's, what's the saying goes, like, you're never going to create something new or yeah. something like Like, there's yeah. always something that somebody's done. It's just time. It's a timing thing. Who drops it first or who comes out or they throws their flavor on it. And a lot of people got pissed off in the past because of that. And they think that you bit them or you stole. It's like, I don't even know you, fool. Yep. Nowadays, it's questionable because today's industry, you know, demos get tossed through record labels and then next thing you know another artist on that label drops a similar thing that happened with the kendrick thing i don't know did you hear about that moons i didn't did you guys hear about the um so kendrick's video for the uh his very first one off this album the one with the where his face changes multiple times it was like nipsey and kobe and all yeah okay so there was another artist on his label who had just dropped the video a year ago, exactly a year ago from Kendrick did. Same scenario, same background, same everything, same label. <laughs> so, you know, Man, you crazy. guys be the judge of that yeah, right shit. there. But that's just the way it happens sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten... Uh, People have dissed us on record, man. On record for, for like using a sample that they use. Like, fool, first of all, it ain't your song. It ain't my song. Yeah. It's who who does it, what with it, and, you know, yep. to each his own. Oh, yeah. Did you clear the sample? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. So, ODC, ODM, there you go, man. They kind of had a twist. Shout-outs to Mikey. He had a lot to do with that. And uh, he was telling me about that. And I think Cliff, actually, which is our former manager, we're going to have him on the show. Try to Cliff, you out there, man? Holla. Yeah, come get him, Shout-out to Cliff Ritchie. But, yeah, he, uh, he created that name for you. He said ODM. And I was like, all right, well, ODC, you know, he was just like, don't worry, man. Because I was I used to go by little R. I don't know if you yep, remember. Yep. And um, so I, I took he t- he basically birthed me the name. He said uh, one dope Mexican, and that's how that was given to me. So I just ran with it. I didn't care. I just wanted to get in the studio. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so where do we go from there? So we met, and then um, it's been told already online, but I'll, I'll say it on my platform. I was you know I started recording demos. And then Kid Frost had dropped out. Uh, I had dropped his single. Melomenes was already out. I remember with Mentirosa, he had yep. that. And then Frost dropped his single. And I remember Cliff wanted me to be like the first, you know, quote unquote Chicano rapper from the West Coast, Mexican rapper, the first solo one. Yeah. Because I hadn't heard, I don't know, maybe you know differently. Maybe there was somebody out already before that on the West Coast. I've never heard to this day. And I know that's why we were to the races trying to be the first. And then Kid Frost dropped. And it was like, Cliff was like, oh, man, there goes that. I know that uh, we used to have some, like, uh, mixed cassette tapes that they used to sell at um, Groove Time and other, other Shout places. out to Groove Time, San Bernardino, man. S.I.E. Legend. <laughs> San Bernardino. Yeah. That's how we got to hear all the latest hip-hop. But there was a, uh, I remember there was a, call, a song called Weekend Weekend Toys or something like that. I don't know. But Rock, yeah. Rocky Padilla was on yes. that one. Yes. I just... Yeah, Rocky and um, ah, he's gonna kill me. I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, more than nah, well, no, no, because later on they became the Hispanic right, MCs. Right, so, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Dude, that was the jam right there, and that was what was dedicated to all like the, the Nissan hard body trucks and all those going when they used to go to TJ and perform. I mean, and party, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever mm. hang out there in TJ like back in the day? Woo, we went there a couple times, but I, I used to always tell everybody, I said, man, you're, you're going out there trying to party and pay cheaper for beer or doing whatever else, man. But you don't know what's going to happen down there. So yeah, I was like, uh, you're already aware of yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, I'm cool, man. They, they already know you're not from out there. So you're a target. Yeah. I know people are going to disagree because, oh, I went out there and had a great time. Well, that's good. In the eight, we're talking eighties, right? Yeah. <laughs> See, I was too young, man. Yeah. We stayed over here though. We stayed East LA to, to Inland Empire. We, we kept it local. We didn't get too crazy. That's what's up. And I know the parties were lit. Again, I was only 17. Fabe's a few years older than me. Yeah, I'm 52 now. There it is. And I really got to get my age like that? I I guess. I'll be 49, man. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? The grays are coming. 
They're here. I just know how to hide them. <laughs> it's called a hat. That's why we That's it, bro. That's <laughs> it. I'm not a couple years off you, but yeah, dude. So at that time, I was just going to school, man. Just wanted to be a rapper, dude, and it was so bad. And so, and like within a year's time, I remember getting. Finally, I got tired of it. Like, uh, uh, I think this is how we transitioned to meeting Bobby. I, I don't remember the first time meeting Bobby. Maybe you do, or maybe how he was brought up to Cliff. Did it happen? Because I remember Cliff on another interview said this, that um, he said, I missed a studio date or something. I was in like Orange County partying with my friends, and I didn't show up one day, and Bobby happened to be there, DTX. Is is that the way it happened? You were like, my I, homie raps, or how did that whole thing? I, I remember, I remember that incident, but I don't not necessarily think that that was the the beginning. Cause okay. I always, Bobby would always come with me whenever I had to do something out with with Cliff and Glendale, because that's where Cliff was at, and that's where we eventually, um, me and Bobby ended up living uh, for a little bit while we were doing the album. But um, I do remember uh, the, the studio incident part, and he didn't want the, the time to go to waste, so he's like, I paid for it already see what this guy can do and bobby didn't have anything written so yeah i mean he probably had a couple things written but i don't, I don't remember whatever came out of that session but uh bobby was always with me so and then bobby was always rapping at that time we're listening to k-day and you know he was doing cover songs wasn't he that's he, what i remember he, you well, saying he just, he's like a he was like a, a parrot he just mimicked everything that was out there <laughs> I mean, and he was good at it. That's I love it. He, he looked like a little lot of things, man. We had some bagging sessions on the road, bro. Even back in those days, I miss them because I would always get picked on because I was the youngest. And um, and Bobby was just, dude, he would, like, Fabian had some, he threw in some good good bags, bro. But Bobby was the clown. He had the face to go with it, too. <laughs> the the, the well, look, the expressions he would make, you know oh, what I'm saying? Man, yeah. like with, with his uh, sound sound effects, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, he was rapping uh, Heavy D. I remember Ice-T. Like, he would mimic them, right? Yep. He was mimicking them. Uh, Eazy-E. He loved, um, uh, he loved uh, Beastie Boys. When that came out, License to Ill. That was, you know, that fool was doing that. We were drive around and on nights we go cruising around and and this is way after i got rid of all my stuff on my truck because i had you know i had a system i had a shell and all that rims but then after i i got rid of all that stuff um i didn't have a radio so i had to beatbox and bobby would be rapping whatever else is going on did he write lyrics at that time or was it just other people's music i think he was just mimicking people but then eventually um he saw pete mr pete uh rap and putting stuff down and he gave him some pointers on you know not to rap and make two easy words rhyme pick something you know a little bit more difficult and say something just don't rap to rap right and uh and then so he started writing stuff like don't brag rap well not, not necessarily that but just just don't rap about the same things everybody always raps about say something you know um have a message that. or something Hell but uh yeah but uh he <laughs> tell a story with your shit man come on i say that to this day rappers take heed man yep so uh so bobby started writing stuff and then i don't think that that the first stuff that he really wrote was was good i think more his freestyles were better than what he was writing so and, he was a freestyler then. right so then at my uh at my mom's house in the garage i had my turntable set up so i would spin some stuff and he would rap and then um you know, I'd get something that, you know, that was instrumental and then I would rap with them and then we, you know, we record it and later on listen to it and laugh at the stuff we were saying because we were just rapping about stuff we were doing. Yeah. So that was pretty much it. But Cliff heard him rapping to something. He goes, hey, man, that guy kind of sounds like Easy. you know, what's up with him? And I just said nothing. He just. Wow. You know. He did. He did sound like Easy, And I hear that more and more to this day. It was like when you listen to the Brown and Proud album, and you listen to, I think, El Vario. Yep. That was the song right there. My side of the road, Joe. Just like Compton. <laughs> like, people thought he was, we had Easy e on our record. Like, but nah, bro. Like, he was like the Mexican Easy. It was crazy. It was crazy. His voice was so unique. Um, so then we eventually got together, the three of us. Yeah. And this is the original duel after demos being made, after, uh, you know, shopping our record deal after countless 
t- trips to Glendale and, and Cliffs studio apartment. Guys, you talk about, you know, uh, coming up, starting from the bottom. I mean, we were rapping in the studio apartment with uh, the microphone in the closet. You know, I've heard these stories from Outkast. I've heard these uh, other rappers groups because this is the really way it was for us, too. We rapped in the closet with, with the um, that was our booth. And then the uh, cord was underneath. And then I think you guys had a four track on the other side, right? Yeah, Jam and James had a four track. Um, it was what's so funny about that. It was a studio apartment, and whenever the phone would ring, Micah from uh, DJ Micah. Uh, what up, there. Micah? Yeah, <laughs> what up? K's DJ was mixologist. There with us. Yeah. yeah, mixologist. There you go. So it was me, Cliff, Bobby, Micah, and Tommy, the guy that sang on TJ Nights. Five dudes living in the studio apartment, and then whenever someone would call for us because there was landlines back then cell phones were just coming in yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) michael would answer the phone studio (laughs) (laughs) that's that's when we had the chip phones was up before the chip phones that's that's way before the chip phones man we buried my first cell phone was a uniden the uniden (laughs) (laughs) that's before the motorola block (laughs) oh man hey do we got a picture of uh he mentioned TJ Knights, bro. And he mentioned King Ed. Yeah. Let's bring this one up right here. There it is, right yeah. there, man. One time for everybody who purchased this single. This was the one that really got us out there. You know what I'm saying? Well, reasonably, I would say. But what, what, bro, what do you when you look at this photo, bro? What do you think? That 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 day was uh, not chaotic at all, but it was just different because you know we were in TJ. We had our uh, the photographer came out with us dude from la i mm-hmm. forgot what his name was but he did the majority of our of our pictures our initial photo what, shoots darren papas i think his yeah, name yeah, yeah there you go that's yeah. him yep. he shot ice cube he shot coolio he shot all those vintage ones i think he shot cypress I, yeah he worked he was the profile man. records he yeah did, he did a lot of uh, a lot of different groups that were coming out that time and um i remember being out in the streets and there was this one dude that had uh had a battery in a box and these two metal things that you hold on to and Bobby was in Bobby was always intrigued <laughs> I remember this story Bobby was intrigued oh. by uh interesting people and he would it would catch his attention no matter where we're at and it's like a magnet so he would go he went over there and he's all I don't even know if he said it in Spanish he says like what's this uh, he goes and he said Fabian how, how do I say what's this I said guess eso and he's all guess eso guess eso and then the guy Gave him the two things and uh, the two metal things, and it was going to turn up the thing because I guess it shocks you yeah. to, to like get your adrenaline. You know those electric shockers? You know they're, they're like two rods, metal rods, you and like you put them on, and he, he turned up the the amperage on, right, and bzz, and it buzzes you. Like they sell them in the in the freaking joke stores, man. They had the hand ones, the buzzers. Yeah. It's the same thing, but to the tenth power, I guess. Yeah, but this fool had a wooden box with the, uh, a yeah. thing to uh, turn it, and he had a car battery in yeah. there. So Aww. Bobby was like, nah, here, hold. He goes, you hold. He goes, here. He gave him back to him, and as soon as the guy grabbed him, he, Bobby turned the thing up all the way up on him, and homeboy went. <laughs> he came back. He goes, yeah, you thought you was going to get me, huh, cuz? I got you. <laughs> he turned it up on him, yeah. huh? Bobby did. Oh, man. Oh, dude, he was a, <laughs> I tell you, man, crazy times. And do you remember, that wasn't, we got pulled over when we shot the video for the TJ video. Nights. Yeah. We got pulled over by the cops. And there's a scene in the video, you'll see us just kind of like look up like this. And it was a real reaction of the cop going by us, the motorcycle cop, who ended up eventually pulling us over. Yep. In TJ? Yeah. In TJ, bro. Shh. You ever pull, been pulled over in TJ, bro? No, I've heard stories. So Mexico, <laughs> better have your wallet ready. Yeah. You know, you know. You guys had to pay them off or just let you go? Um, no, we eventually had, we, they, they took us to the station, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, we followed him. What had happened is, is they're filming us, and they had no idea of what was, what was going on. All that guy knew was the light's green. Yeah. And, and our car was lit in the in the car. So, he, right. you know. So, oh. kind of stood out. So, he's like, go. You know, in so many, in Spanish, you know, la luz está verde. I'm like, I, I get that. But I'm like, you don't know what's going on here. So, I, I went. And as soon as I go, the light turns red. Well, then he pulls me over. And he says, uh, follow me. So, I follow him. Go to the their precinct or whatever it is. As soon as I pull in, he reaches over takes my keys out of the car, which was my aunt's car. She had a, a Ford Galaxy convertible. Yeah. So she took, he took the keys, and the guy disappears. And then my aunt eventually comes there, and she says, what happened? And I told her, and they don't understand. My, my aunt, you know, 
she has a way with words. So she, uh, my tia Elena. <laughs> Shout out to tia yes. Elena and the yes, galaxy. Sir. Yes, sir. Mm. She, went <laughs> she went and uh, figured it all out, came back with the keys. I think it was like a $15 fine or something silly. And then we continued to shoot the video. But um, 15 bucks? Damn. A sea palm bro back in the day. Now it's like more than that. You yeah. bring fifteen dollars to Tijuana, bro. You're getting fucked up. <laughs> from what I heard, yeah. But instead, we paid a ticket that day. Yeah, that wasn't the first time we got went. We went to jail, man. I, I think. Well, fast forwarding a few years later, we ended up in jail uh, during our hip hop locals ride in Tijuana, bro. Sixteen of us. Damn. Yeah. And TJ. And TJ, bro, we I spent. I hear that a lot of shit was in jail and TJ. And for, I, I do not wish that upon anybody. <laughs> I, 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 I don't I like. Be, I wouldn't want to be in jail anywhere. Just for the record, but yeah. I, the first jail that I ever experienced, and hopefully the last, was TJ, and that shit was nasty, bro. I mean, they had, uh, uh, it was six of us in each cell. It was about sixteen of us. I mean, you could tell the shitter was just. I wouldn't even want to shit there, bro. And there was rats all over the floor. You had. He has residents upstairs, you know, hookers, prostitutes. They had their, like, over the bars, they had their, their blankets and their sheets. It was all dressed nice because they were living. They weren't going nowhere. But anyway, that's another story. She goes, bad. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. And I was, yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another Cliff Richie production. Yeah, <laughs> so, all right. So, we TJ Knights, we, we, we came out that video. We dropped it. Your brother Joe actually played uh, guitar on it. He's on the scene yep. with the... Uh, Sombrero and everything. Go check that out. And that was our first single off the uh, Brown and Proud album. And then um, let's talk about where somewhere between um, the release of TJ Nice and our second single, Latin Active, was that when we decided to jump in management? Uh, it was, yeah, right after TJ Nights, a little bit afterwards, probably a month or two. Um, that's when we... Try to make a change there for a little bit. All right. So we linked up with, uh, obviously things weren't going right between us and management. And this this is my story. I'm sure you have your own, but it's pretty much the card, the cards line. And um, we uh, we just saw some grass greener on the other side. You know, let's put it that way. And uh, we, we ended up linking up with Bobby Ross Avila, yep. his dad. We did uh, one of our first shows was with him in downtown Riverside at Bazooties. Remember that? Yes, sir. And um, we had a play, we played another with them, another show. I think it, I remember the day specifically. It was November twenty second, nineteen ninety. Damn. And it was at uh, Fiscalini <laughs> Field in San Bernardino. Damn, how about that? Damn. As with Tony, 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 Bobby Ross Avila, and yeah. a lot of shade of brown, and I'm sure there was a couple others on there. <laughs> but um, you know, we was trying to grow, man, and we and we just weren't happy. You know, I don't know, call it what it was. I don't know what this is. Why were we unhappy, bro? You would probably know. You were a little older. I, I just just kind of went with the flow. I don't know. I think we felt that support from the, the label wasn't as as much as we wanted to see at the at the moment because Timmy T was uh, yeah Timmy T from the yeah, yeah, yeah. from our label. One yeah, more yeah, try, yeah. T, Timmy T. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That that they, they were focusing a lot on him because he had just a uh, uh, first time an independent label had taken a song to number one um, with one more try, and um, they were focusing on him because he was the hot commodity at that. He time. was. So on our label quality, we had Timmy T, we had Angelica, yep. Angel Baby, remember that? Yep. We had South Central Cartel. Yep. Bloods and Crips and, you know. Um, juvenile Style. Juvenile Style. And who else? Uh, was that it? There might have been a couple other pop groups or something. No, no they did some other stuff. They were they were linked with another label subsidiary called Warlock, and they were doing some other Warlock stuff. Warlock Records, okay. And there was another one that they were doing like a... Those infomercials that you see, you get the, all 30 hits on one CD for whatever. They were doing some, like, compilations with another different division of that company. But. Okay. Shit. This is me. So do you think that we were just unhappy because we weren't getting the recognition or we weren't getting the push? I think it was a little bit of everything. Oh, we just a bunch of spoiled little kids. Uh, a mixture of everything. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know, guys, because we're getting into the industry. Come on, we, we, things were. How fast were they happening for us, bro? Uh, it went pretty quick. Like, yeah, it went pretty quick. Once the demos and everything was recorded, after Cliff shopped it around and then started getting response from it, it, it went pretty quick after that. So, and for the record, were we the very first Chicano rap group out from the West Coast? I think so. Yes. All right. Amen to that. 
<laughs> Don't get it twisted. Don't care where you hear it from. You heard it first here. And it's On a the fact. Blockout Podcast. Yeah, shit. Blah, blah, block. But yeah, so then, um, so yeah, we ended up jumping management team. We ended up going with Bobby Ross Avila. Bobby Ross Avila, senior. Shout out to senior man. Yeah. Still doing What's his up, thing senior? out there. Yeah, what up, dude? And, and we learned a lot from over there, right? Yes. They, he opened it, welcome arms with us. Very talented family. Very talented family. If you don't know who Bobby Ross Avila is, you need to go ahead and just, you know, Google him right now. He's the music man, the music kid. The kid was like 13 or something like that when we Younger met him. That. Well, when we met him, yeah, he was in 12, 13 years old. 13 years old, right? Yeah. And I think his song was uh, Music Man. Yes, sir. And then um, I'm Your Puppet or I'm Not Your Puppet. No, that was High C. Yes, sir. And um, look who just walked in yeah, the building. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Jammy James, ladies and gentlemen, just walked in the building. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna save him for the next one, so stay tuned. But uh, so yeah, we ended up with Bobby Ross Avila. Long story short, we linked up. Um, a bit of a apparel change. I would. That's the first thing that comes to mind, clothing wise. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was more of a um, uh, seize the moment. Um, Latinos are getting a shot in in the record industry that we weren't necessarily uh, usually getting airtime in. Which is in the R and B market, the, the the hip hop and rap scene. Right. So he wanted us to look the part, to look legit, to look, you know, like we we belong there. So what's up, James? Jimmy James. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's some drink over there, James. We got you some vodka, man. They went to get some bird and some Kool-Aid for you. Yeah, some thunder bird. <laughs> Talk about that. There's a fridge outside. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I say that to say this because he had us up in, uh, you know, the Century 21 suits. You know, they were literally like, you picture back in the day, like Heavy D would wear those suits, right? The, yeah. The, the two-piece, the three-piece suits, whatever. Do his little dance thing, whatever. So with that came dance moves with us as well. So we, I remember rehearsing. Shout outs to Boy and Zelda. We would, uh, remember Boy and yes, Zelda? Sir. We would, uh, shout outs to, um, we would rehearse in their garage and we would do our dance moves. And yes, we went through this phase. And it was like, okay, <laughs> what point do we rap? Because I felt like all I'm doing is dancing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then we, I remember that show we did with uh, Vanilla Ice in the, uh, the Orange Celebrity Can Theater. Anaheim Celebrity Theater. And um, we opened up for Vanilla Ice and CNC Music Factory was one of our biggest shows. Yeah. And we were in those Century 21 suits, man. And I remember <laughs> I got bad press the next day from, from the OC Register because I remember what it said from word for word. It said, Lot of Shade of Brown. Your new act from Southern California, Wooty Whoop, came on stage. Man, they were so busy dancing, they forgot to rap their lyrics. Because we, our vocals were on the track. So, yeah, we were doing all this. And come on, man. Like, I was, you know, I was skinny, but I still was out of shape. I didn't know how to, like, dance and still rap. Man, I'd have been huffing and puffing. So they put our vocals on track just as backup. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine the three of us, but I was the one that they they picked out like uh, the bunch because I, I did one of these and then they would my vocals were still rapping and I was doing all this. So they thought you were lip syncing or what? Yeah, man. But let's let's get down to the nitty gritty, man. It was all fun. We learned with the Rosses. Yeah, I love Bobby Ross. I love, that's my brother, man. And you know we go way back. Very popular. Him and Izzy. Yes. You know, looked them up. Like I said, you know, platinum. Uh, uh, winning um, producer for Janet Jackson, Usher. Usher. He's on tour with Usher right now, man. Wow. Go check him out in Vegas. Like Casey Gray. He's the dude playing all the freaking, you know, you name it. All the old schoolers from Earth, Wind, and Fire to Cool in the Gang. All them, dude. Ross is. Uh, yep, kills the talk box, too. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, learned a lot from that kid, too, uh, music wise. Um, but, you know, just things just didn't pan out. You know, and, and I'm going to say because I don't hold shit back. It's, it's the Blackout Podcast, baby. We keep it 100 right here. And I really felt like, honestly, it got to a point to where I felt like being that Ross's dad, father, Bobby Sr., kind of just favored uh, his son a little bit more, you know, too much. And I felt like blood is thicker than water, as you know. And I just felt like everything... Even from shows to, like, even selling our merch, you know what I'm saying? What we wanted to do was, like, um, how to go through him first. And, and, and if, if 
if if Ross wasn't allowed to do it, uh, something that like if we got on our own and promoters, cause promoters were hollering at us, everybody was hollering at us. You know, we were just blowing up a little, you know, quicker than the snicker, you know. And but it was like if Ross wasn't a part of it, then then we couldn't do it. I was like, oh man, it's like, and that that's what I remember. Couple yeah. scenarios, and I don't know, man. At the same time, I mean, we, just, we uh, you know we came into into a situation. With the uh, um, Ross had been signed to a major label, had just come off of tour with the new kids on the block, so he had the buzz a year before we actually joined up with them. So you know, in that perspective, they thought you know he still had the ball rolling. But in all actuality, we were the prime age for the uh, the target audience that they were going after, and he was just a few years younger than us. So I think that, that elevated our our worth because. Hey, we're, we're, you know, you were 16, you know, initially, right? 15, right, 16. right. Yeah. And then me and Bobby were, you know, three years older than you. Bobby's like an, a, one more year older than me. So we were at that prime age of the people that were actually going to these shows and that, you know. We were lighting the stage up, bro. And I think that we just had, number one, we were two different uh, genres of music, too. Yeah, and that's the other part. You know, hip-hop and rap was starting to blow up. And then, the, you know, the, the R&B stuff was... I say tailoring off, but you know there was already a lot of established groups that were putting out songs and putting right. out singles that were getting airplay. Right, absolutely, and that's all I remember of that. And you know there was no love lost. There were some words that were exchanged. I know be- between Senior and myself, and even my mom. You know, because she, she managed us or managed you know my situation. She managed a lot. You know, the group. You know, when she could, she took care of us. When she she looked out for us. But I know they had some words, and um, it was just all bad from there. But we just kind of did this and then me and Bobby ended up jumping coming back to Cliff Richie our first manager and you stayed yeah why uh he said if you if you want uh we can create some stuff here you can you know I got a studio do whatever you want basically not you know in so many words and at that point BBD was hot I was more in tune with what was going on I didn't know necessarily if Lighter Shader Brown was going to be at the level of, you know, national stardom versus, you know, people that were singing and rapping and doing that kind of stuff. That whole new Jack movement was like really blowing up. So I was like, I'll take an opportunity to try to see if I can make something happen. Do you, do you think that it was because you weren't sold on it, that, that it was like, uh, like our movement, this movement that we didn't know where it is today totally blew up. Was gonna go, is that what you're saying? Like yeah, you didn't a little ex- bit, yeah. it was explode? Yeah, because TJ and I had whatever. It was like whatever. But as soon as Sunday, as soon as Latin Active, to me the official first single was really Latin Active because TJ Knights was just like a, a courtesy of them playing our song and saying, okay, here's a new rap group, right? You know. But uh, as soon as Latin Active came in, that's when Power 106 started playing it. That's when you know the other stations that right. weren't playing TJ Knights started right. playing that song. You know. Over in San Diego, they were playing TJ Nights, but that was because it was by the border. But, um, you know, more stations jumped on as soon as Latin Active came, and that's when the group started blowing up. Sunday afternoon came. That was it. Facts. He's, t- he's speaking facts. And like I said earlier, TJ Nights was regional. Like, that's really – and that's exactly – he pinpointed the cities that they were. I remember we drove out to, like, uh, Texas. That's when we were backpacking with our CDs and cassettes and doing all that run, pushing the uh, Brown and Proud. You got the Brown and Proud album? And this was the album that had our, our first hit records, man. You know, um, TJ Knights, which was, mm. I want to say regional, but I mean, it ended up going like Southwest. But Latin Active, like you mentioned, was was the uh, one that really got us out there. Did you, okay, forgive me. And I even know James is in here, but I always go back and forth with your guys' production. Who did, did you do TJ Knights? Produce? He helped me program. See, I didn't know how to use the SP-1200. And he was already... A, a master at that so luckily i, I ran into james because he was the f- person who taught me how to use that drum machine Ooh. and didn't even hesitate he's like here you go he would leave it sometimes so i could do stuff on it and i appreciate that he's all right dude huh? yeah no he's <laughs> he's all right he's all right dude <laughs> <laughs> now i could never make beats like james but he left it there and you know and i picked up things and, and then eventually i did some of it he helped me with everything on that album that I got production credit with, uh, James was there with me, or uh, Romeo, DJ Romeo was the other person. Yeah, shout out to DJ Romeo. Yep. And, and, then, and then who did Latin Active? 
So I think that was kind of a, a, a split between both of us. Um, but then eventually you guys had, uh, I think, Soup or Stan the Guitar Man come back in and replay it. I don't know. So for a lot of you that don't know, maybe you do know because you bought both of them, our original album, the one he had up there, uh, Moon's had up there on the screen, was remixed and remastered yeah. and re relabeled. Was it reprinted, the, the, the cover? That cover, eventually, yes. They eventually, when I left the group and then you guys left Quality Records, went to Mercury, that's when they re redid the, the record. So they got the masters and then they redid the, the cover. So it seemed like it was a new record, but yeah. it wasn't, you know, maybe generally. And, and it had the new remix of Latin Act. Yeah, yeah. Well, there. they did that. They did that before. They did it with that cover. At, um, you know, we got more money to go back into the studio because initially we we're recording at Beach Studios place out and i forget where it was at but he's i was trying to remember that studio the other day was the was the engineer named houston yep houston houston, houston right didn't he have long ass yeah, yeah. Look like a hippie look like a, one of the ogridge boys or like a Oakridge like <laughs> like a, no, a 70s about, rocker no it was funny about it because you and bobby would always complain hey man i hear something in the back you could actually hear <laughs> i i don't think we we're by the i don't know how far we were from the beach but you could hear the beach in your headset. Oh, damn. Was like a... I can hear the ocean call it. It's calling my name. Hey, dude. So, yeah, that's when we ended up started going to uh, Image. And then uh, I think you went to Paramount again and worked with, um, God, what's his Stoker. name? Stoker. Stoker, there you go. And then Stoker. And Jason Roberts over at uh, Image. Yes, Image got... was, the... oh, man, who were we talking to? I was talking to you. I was talking to James the other day. I was like, we're trying to remember the studio, Image, right? Yeah. And, and bam, Jason Roberts, dude, Cypress Hill, House of Pain, Volume Ten. He was saying that, <laughs> and that's where they did their album. That's where we did ours. Yeah. Didn't even know it. And Jason Robert actually he, he produced the remix. Well, the, the video version of Spill the Rhyme. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Thirty Eight Fresh, Michael. Ooh, he's dropping the names right. Thirty Eight Fresh. <laughs> Shit. They had that special pizza right around the corner from his place. I remember. Hey. I remember Muggs rolling a comb joint when he was doing the Spill the Rhyme. Uh, the uh, remix. Yeah. Yeah. Cool dude, man. Cool dude. I remember we used to go to Yoshinoya across from Paramount. That was a spot. <laughs> Yoshinoya was every time we were there. Matter of fact, for those, you know, watching, let it be known. This is where the name came from, man. The Blockout. Because we used to call our sessions the block Blockouts. Yeah. Blockout session. Eight hours or more. Yeah. Say, so, yo, wait, we got the studio. What, 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 what's our time, man? We got a blockout, 12 to 6 or 12 to 8 or whatever. And it was usually overnight, huh? Yeah. So were, I got a question for you, man. Real quick. By the way, at Paramount, they used to call us the Pirates. The Pirates? Here come the Pirates because we're in their, in their thought, all the rock music was not happening. And we were supposedly, <laughs> since we were sampling to make beats and, and using other people's music, they called us Pirates. What? <laughs> And, wait, and then my, the other quote was from Soup. He said, y'all ain't producers, y'all reducers. <laughs> Man, it's some old, old heads that hate They sound like us now on this younger rap. Hey man, hey, it is he, played, what it is. he played on those songs. Dude, he made some money. Shout out to Soup, man. Soup <laughs> played the bass. He played the keyboards. Guitar. Everything. Standing guitar man. You know him from NWA, right? And he's the one that said, I gotta get paid on this. I'm play guitar on this record. <laughs> Click. Um, yeah, we had some funky musicians, bro, in the studio. Let me ask you something. Real important. I've been wanting to ask you this for years. Do you regret staying back? And this is gonna sound funny or or weird. Yes and no. Yes, because uh, I I would have enjoyed being around you and, you and Bobby and doing shows and, and going out there doing that because that's what I love to do. Right. But at the same time, I mean, in the, I have four kids right now, four baby mamas. If I would have went on the road and did all mm. that stuff, I'd probably have kids all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I, 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 it it would have been a bad situation for me. And I, and Which I, transitions <laughs> to my next question. <laughs> it wouldn't oh, have been good, man. Only. Hey, they call him the Latin lover. That's why they call him the Latin lover. That's the nickname. Oh, That's man. where he got it. He was, he was birth, bro. Dang. I mean, how old's your oldest now? Twenty-eight. And that was that was with. Uh, I don't even. I don't even know. I met met your your first baby baby mama. Did I ever meet your first baby? Maybe. Mama? Uh, maybe. 
One of four? I don't know. I. Wait, you introduced me to my fourth. My th- <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Robert. Well, you know, you was making beats no, and I'm making serious. babies, thanks, dude. Thanks. You're welcome, bro. You're welcome. I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but no, you're serious. welcome. All right, all right. But every time I see you, I was like, all right. <laughs> all right, so, wait, was that was that G? No. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Who's your fourth baby mama then? No, it's, so it's uh, Andrea's, my son's. And then uh, I got married. Okay. And then Annette. So Gina was her mom. And then I had that situation that happened at one of the shows. And then 16 years later. Oh, that situation. See, I wasn't going to bring that up. But since you already. No, well, it's just part of the game. I love it. I love it. So when you ask me, it's like, man, I would have. So I get this Facebook message, right? From this girl. She was like 21 years old. She's like, hey, how you doing? Big fan. Matter of fact, I'm closer than you think. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what's she about to drop on me? I was like, I like him young, but damn. And she was like, no, she was like, um, <laughs> Moon's about to say, say it, dude, say it. Oh, Mr. Seaman, baby. He calls me Mr. Seaman, baby. But whatever you want. That's <laughs> his joke. Damn. No, dude, but this time, whew, it wasn't me. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> he got up like Maury and started dancing. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but no, nah, this girl hit me up at the DM, not DM. Well, she messaged me on Facebook. She was like, "Hey, I just wanted you to know that I'm looking, you know, for my father, you know." And 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 I'm like, "Okay, well, what's his name? You know, I might do. Do I know him? Like that girl?" So yeah, it was, you know, it was part of your group, Fabian Alfaro. I said. Whoa. <laughs> I said, what? I go, all right, here we go. Tell me t- how this happened. I'm, I'm trying to think. 21 years, was he on the road with us? Was it? I was like, yeah, he had to have been. And I think you were at a party. We were DJing yeah, a, were... A, a family event. Yeah. And uh, we were like, you started off, and then I came, and I, I, I kind of took over, and then you left. And But before you left, <laughs> no. I said, Wait, hey, babe. Hold on. What? So when I get there... He's DJing the first part because he had to do something after the fact. So oh, I did okay. the later part. And I come up to him and uh, he said, I didn't play any mashups, no party starters, no this, no that, no that, blah, blah. And by the way, uh, I, I I think this. <laughs> I just dropped it on you. I was like, whoa, my heart dropped. Loser. <laughs> hey, I come out to the chase, man. You know, I had to get going. Oh, by the way, hey, you're uh Daughter hit me up, dude. You have a daughter out there. That was crazy, dude. And then when when we started putting the, do you want to explain how it happened or not? Nah? That's all you, bro. We did a show together, so he. Here we go. Yeah, well, every now and then, you know, either Bobby or him would say, "Hey, you want to go do a show in between the situ- in between their departure and regroup and whatever separation." Yeah, we had a lot of those. Um, I would go do a show with either one of them. But eventually I told him, I said, no, nobody wants to see a fat-ass Mexican on stage. So, <laughs> so it was so, you and I. It was you and I. <laughs> and I wasn't that fat then. <laughs> the Die Stars Monday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we did a show, and I met her at that show, and things happened. And 16 years later, I found out that I had a daughter. And, uh, yep. Did, she ever, did you ever talk to her? Yeah. The mom? Talked. Yeah, we talked. Yep. Did she did she ever say why she never brought it up in the past? I don't think she knew how to get a hold of me. That was the whole thing. It just happened and Okay. And that was that. Wow. Did she say she was trying to get a hold of you or she just I like think she said she was, you know, trying to figure it out, but then, you know, eventually they got enough courage to reach out to you because you were on the radio and uh Damn. So how was your relationship with the daughter now? Your daughter. It's okay. It's all right. We talk. You know? What was that like when you met her for the first time? Um, interesting. It was just, um, you know, you don't know what to think, especially when you don't have a DNA test or anything. You're just going off of... <laughs> I was about to say. Did you bring you up? Yeah. I got the cons. Well, right. I was too late for that. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, uh, a, I'm a sick Went fan. out to dinner with the family, you know, made a, cool. made a cool, you know, inter- introduction. And then I said, we need to get to the bottom of this and uh, got a DNA test done. Yeah. Came back that I was, you know... A high roll, high percentage that was her father. So and Maury like, Povich Whoa. popped out of nowhere. Yeah, and then he said, "In the case of <laughs> you, are the father." <laughs> Start chasing him with the camera. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude. Okay, well, 
Yeah, that's another chapter. Damn. So four kids. Four kids. Four kids. Now, that's where I'm at? Shit. And See, four I baby mamas. Shoot, I got and one, four man. baby mamas. <laughs> that's crazy. So this, you were like a DJ? Like this happened during your DJ life stuff? Four different baby mamas? Uh, this happened on the on the way up from uh, after. After Light of Shader Brown. Yeah. Yeah, after See, they were Flavor Flav, and then there was him. <laughs> you know, they were making babies, you know what I'm saying? DMX, you know, rest of, they all had... That, that was a thing to do back then. I oh. never got caught up like that, that I knew of, man. Nobody ever, like, knocked at my door, like... <laughs> like that movie Little Man, when he's in the front, he's just on the, on the, on the little thing. <laughs> I don't know, bro. But no one's ever, uh, there's been a couple that they've tried to say, hey, you know, I, I'm pregnant. This is yours. I'm like, you can't just come out and say it like that. You know what I mean? Because we've been around. You've been around. You know what I mean? And I used to go back and forth. And I would like say, straight up, DNA, the A test, you know. And and this, a lot of this shit happened even when my 30s, bro, later on. Like, you know, because I was, I was still a bachelor playing around and. Shit, they come out. Hey, um, so I'm late on my period. <laughs> and I'm not usually like this late. And you were the only one I was with. Ran that whole game. Like, stop. First of all, you're going through a divorce. <laughs> it ain't mine. You know what I'm saying? I know you see your baby. You know, you see him occasionally. No, but yeah, I actually made somebody wait nine months. Because wow. for the DNA, I said, you know what? Come see me in nine months. Because that's bullshit. Because I know I ain't, you ain't the only one that I, you know, I'm not the only one you sleep with. Same, vice versa, you know. Damn. But it is what it is. So come back. And she did. Showed up at my baby, at my doorstep with the baby. It's not yours. <laughs> did the cotton swab test. And it was negative, bro. That was it. That was it. That was it. That's the semen. It's going on between them sheets. <laughs> That's why he wrote that song. Nah, dude. I was a freak. Ooh. I was a freak. We want to get into our stories. <laughs> Groupie stories. Um, but shit, dude. Well, that yeah, that's all that I wanted to ask you, man. Going back to then, if you had any regrets from from staying you know behind and, and doing your thing but i mean even so you still maintain you you still were doing your thing you know as far as producing and and, and everything else and working with different acts i know you got a lot of uh, uh acts out of that you know gigs and i'm not, it was just something that i always crossed my mind yeah yeah there, of course you know you always look back and say man i wish i was there uh doing whatever they were doing and being a part of that for sure you know but then like i said me being irresponsible with my situation women you know I w- it would have been a mess yeah so uh, everything happens for a reason you believe that yeah, yeah sometimes yeah 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 sometimes yeah yeah but uh like i said we're still we're still good friends we're you know the, the family that put this all together is still intact and everybody can still speak to each other so that's the great part about it i i know we didn't really get into dwtx and i think i don't care if we go longer but i just wanted to you know i know you and i we we saw each other. We met up when we found out the news about him passing. And um, I know because I got the call from Dickie, which is his cousin up north. And then I related to his mom, Barbara. And we ended up on a plane. We went up to Las Vegas to where he ended up in the hospital where he was laying for like a good a week, I heard, already or even longer. No? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He was a John Doe. And so we were all there. We all gathered, James included. And, and we were just there. And... Um, Talk about that, bro. That moment when you heard um, the news, and and I don't want people to take this in the wrong way, but um, the the trajectory that Bobby was on, um, battling whatever he was battling, it was inevitable. In my opinion, you know, we talk about stuff, and um, but I, I just seen it eventually coming uh, down the road for him, and uh, it was very unfortunate because there was nothing anybody could do. Mm. And um, the way it happened, I didn't know what anticipated it that way, but um, you know, it was seemed like it was sooner than later. And when I heard about it, I wasn't necessarily surprised. It was unfortunate, and I was hoping that um, you know there's some kind of hope. But when I went to the hospital and seen him and and saw him in the state of being he was in, touched his hand, I, I I knew he wasn't there with us anymore. You 
cared for Bobby. You took him in. A lot of people have in the past when he was here on this earth. But you were one of the ones that just always had your door open for him. You know, you grew up. That was your brother since high school. And, but it was just like a revolving door, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't, uh, you know, he was battling some stuff and he just couldn't overcome it. And no matter how much you would talk to him or change the scenery for him, it, it just didn't eventually would show its head and, you know, sometimes worse than others. Sometimes it was, you know, he was a cool, you know, it was never a, a confrontational type of thing. He, was, he wasn't that. It was just seeing him in the state of being that he was in and um, battling uh, alcoholism is, is, a, is a tough thing. And, um, you know, it just uh, just couldn't he didn't win. You know, he just couldn't he couldn't turn that corner. And as much as everybody wanted to and as much as everybody would, you know, try to help him, it just didn't um, didn't come together for him. You will probably know this more than I would, uh, more so because you've known him longer. Was he battling some type of demons? He had to have been, right? When somebody is in a, in a mental state like that, and you've got people from family to friends trying to help you out to to everybody, and you just, you know, it's not it's receiving, but it's not transitioning. I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not registering. Uh, you're in a deep state, right? Yeah, he, he would say things, and I'd, I'd rather not repeat them, but, um, you know, it was about family members, and and, and uh, I, I didn't see what he saw and what he would say to me. Um, I didn't see that kind of response from the family members he was talking about, and um, so I, I don't know. It was it's just weird, you know. He would mention his son um, a lot, his daughter, I didn't get to see them or hadn't, it wasn't a bit, you know, bigger part in their lives. Um, and, uh, like I said, he had the support of his brother. Uh, you know, his mom was there for him. Um, his sister was there for him. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what had happened or whatever, but he just was in like a real funky depression type thing going on and he would overcome it. Um, but then, you know, it'd be the same thing over again. And then I would hear he'd be out doing shows and miss his flight and come back because he had another episode and staying at somebody else's house in some other city. And yeah, it's like, dude, man, what are you doing, man? But, uh, was it one person involved in particular that, that would constantly, or was it one thing that it just kept recurring? He just would say the same things over and over again. And I don't know if it was just by him because he was, you know, in drunk at the time or what the deal was. But like I said, I didn't see what he saw. Right. Um, not to say that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't around him all the time, but, um, you know, I just think he might've been using those as an excuse or using it as a, as an excuse to put himself in that, in that situation. But yeah, um, I know his uh, father had a lot to do with it from what I heard when I learned later, like he had, he wasn't closed. Like he wasn't, he wasn't around, right? No, was his, his I mean mom. he was. I think early on he was, uh, but when I met him, uh, I might have seen the dad a couple times. But you know, that's not to say that he wasn't there for him. But when as as kids, you know, I seen the dad a couple times. Um, but I don't know, you know, at what point in, in his life um, they hardly saw each other. But I know eventually the father left, and um, you know, it was mom raising him. Well, I know what it's like to be raised by a single parent, so I get it, man, playing both roles. Shout-outs to Barbara, you know, because I know his mom, she, from what I understand, she was a hard worker, you yep. know. She's uh, Barbara, right? Or, uh, yeah. Um, hair, hair. Hairstylist. Hair yeah, I don't want to say Barbara because there's two different things. I know the Barbara's going to come after me. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's got to be something specified for that because I don't want you all to come after me later. Try to cancel my ass because I didn't say the right thing. Uh <laughs> But um, no, she held it down. That's what I heard. Yep. But you know, I I noticed something like when he stopped smoking weed, because the Bobby I knew when he was smoking weed, man, he be you know be chill as fuck. You know what I mean? Like he he'd get high, and he got high for many many years. But I think as soon as he started drinking, bro, there's where it just kind of I started seeing him getting into those modes. Yes, right? Would yep. you agree? No, that's totally correct. Because when we were growing up and hanging out, you know, we would do that and. Um, funny laughing having a great time none of this you know depression type stuff happening uh and he he explained it to me he said as he started doing more shows and going on the road a lot of people would come up to him hey need to buy you a drink need to buy you a drink and he wasn't a drinker 
Right. But eventually, you know, when somebody keeps offering you something, you know, you take it, you have a couple or whatever it is that at night. This was of, during high school? like No, during. After, okay, you know, so after, he didn't drink during high school then? No. I mean, he'd have a beer maybe, you know, once in a great big, you know, but it was mostly just smoking weed. Yeah. You know, um, but he, he explained to me, like, after doing shows with Lighter Shitter Brown and going on the road, the people would always want to you know come talk to him and they had the way they'd hey you buy you drink all right cool and, and he just started drinking yeah because that wasn't his thing you know for sure that was not his thing um and i think eventually he shared with me the reason why i asked him i said uh this was like years after once we we uh connected again reconnected in like 2015 i asked him i said why'd you give up weed and um he said my son he says I remember I was on the balcony and I was, you know, smoking a joint and he said, uh, Anthony came out, his son, and, and, uh, he had, he smelt it or something, or he saw him, he saw me and, or it was the balcony or the, somewhere in the garage or something. And he says, uh, I made it a point that I wasn't going to do it after that again. That was my turning point, you know, but unfortunately, I mean, shit, dude, you know, he dropped that down. He got, you know, picked up drinking and you know and there's there's what it has a different effect on you you know you know you whatever substance you have like i know i couldn't smoke weed for the life i'll, I'll drive off the 60 freeway bro <laughs> <laughs> shit you know what i'm saying like i've been there done that i tried it once tried it twice tried it three times i'm like because people ah man it's the strain you're smoking it's not the right one man you need to smoke sativa that's the creative one and i'm like well shit dude give me some sativa because i want to write some lyrics and uh nah bro i fucking sit there and get paranoid man start thinking about my exes i want to show up at their houses <laughs> <laughs> no, but in a bad way. <laughs> so now I get it, you know, it, different strokes for different folks. But unfortunately, you know, um, his passing, you know, it's been what, six years now? Thank you again, man, for coming out. Shoot, we were damn near neighbors for like five years, bro. Yep, didn't know it. Yeah, <laughs> I saw this guy do walking a dog. I looked over my face. I go, hey, you walking that dog or that dog walking you, man? <laughs> Hey, but I got to get it in. That's right. I got to get it in. But thank you for so much, man. I already know we're going to be in contact, bro. We got each other's numbers. Yep. Um, where can they find you right now, man, if they want to come see you? I know you're doing a lot of casinos. Uh, what do you, what? Yeah, I'm. A, a entertainment part is me as an entertainer or doing anything is pretty much done. I, I'll DJ a, a party here and there. Right. Uh, I work at uh, Yamava. Uh, okay. Resort Casino, right? Formerly Sam and Will. Yeah, at and they call it at Sam and Will. I'm the production manager there, advancing okay. all the touring acts coming in. So, dope. I'm still involved in entertainment. Can't take that out of me. Um, dope. It's just what I love to do. I don't expect you to do anything less, man. <laughs> That's what you know for so many years. Yeah. So if you're ever in the area, see this dude, man. Holler at him, man. The guy's a legend right here. He helped form this right here, man. Us dudes right here. DWTX and the rest of the crew. Jamie James, he's coming up next to Flex. Yeah. We're going to hear from him on the next podcast, but you're going to have to wait for that one. On that note, make sure you uh, smash that subscribe button. Share this uh, channel right here. Share it to your friends. Tag somebody. Let everybody know if they're a diehard Lighter Shade of Brown fan or if they're not. Or they just want to hear this story. Hey, man, this is the Blockout Podcast, episode one in the books. Let's take a mouse. Yeah. Danny Boy, Money Moves. Yeah. The F, the A, the B, the L, the O, the V, E, DJ, Fabe, Love. Yeah. <laughs>